the competitive lever that you can and I think should deploy for the next 24 months or so until I think everybody will have to do it is speed and responsiveness. You're listening to the Content 10X Podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods, and I'm here to help you maximize your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Content 10X Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and I'm so excited about this episode because I'm talking with the one and only Jay Bear. Now, this is Jay's third time on the podcast, and I promise you, he does not disappoint. He's as fantastic as always. In case you don't know Jay, Jay is a business growth and customer experience strategist, researcher, and author. He's a B2B influencer and Hall of Fame keynote speaker, definitely one of the best speakers I've ever had the privilege of seeing, and he's just an all-round great, super smart guy. He's also a serial entrepreneur. He's behind so many successful businesses. He's the founder of Convince and Convert, who are great clients of ours at Content 10X, and he was the host of Social Pros Podcast, taking the show to over 500 episodes. He's also the founder of Tequila J. Bear. He's a global tequila influencer, something we talk about on the show where we discuss the growth of Tequila J. Bear and differences between B2B and B2C and more. But we start off by discussing Jay's most recent research study, Time to Win. This is Jay's groundbreaking research into the impact of speed and customer patience on businesses. You can go check this out and download it for free at thetimetowin.com. So I really recommend you do that. In this episode, we discuss why speed is more important than almost anything else, plus some other very surprising findings. Let's jump in. Jay, back to the Content 10X podcast for the third time. Welcome. <laughs> I am delighted to be back. It's so nice to spend time with you, Amy. I would come on the show every week if you would have. <laughs> I might take you up on that. All right. Co-host. <laughs> Absolutely. You'd let me know. No, you were, you were last, well, actually you've been on twice. So it was September, 2019. I was just looking it up that you were spreading the word about um, word of mouth marketing, talking about yeah. talk triggers, got the book over there. Obviously we enjoyed working with you on that content as well. Had you back again, we were talking about 500 episodes of Social Pros podcast. Amazing. And now I know obviously a big thing for you is the time to win research study that you've been doing, I guess. I'd love to know, firstly, why did you decide to research this impact of speed on consumer patients and businesses? Well, Amy, I kind of realized not too long ago that that I'm not a futurist, right? I'm not the kind of business strategist who says, I've got a crystal ball. Let me tell you what's going to happen 10 years from now, because I don't know. And, and actually, I don't care. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I've, I've started a lot of companies. I've helped a lot of companies. I care about how I can outperform my competition today. So my entire career has been a series of exercises where I do deep, typically first-party research on customer behavior. And then combine that with my work as a strategist and an advisor to figure out what lever you can pull now for the next 24 months to have a competitive advantage until your competition figures it out. Then they level up. Then you've got to go find something else that you can do before they figure it out. So at one point, I told people that the competitive lever was social media. At one point, content marketing. At one point, uh, empathy. At one point, uh, word of mouth marketing. And now, 
based on my most recent research, the competitive lever that you can, and I think should deploy for the next 24 months or so until I think everybody will have to do it is speed and responsiveness. 83% of customers say that speed is now as important as price. And so almost nobody in business will tell you that they don't care about speed, that it's not important to them. It's of course important. But what I'm telling you is that you should probably elevate it in the priority list in your organization and float it toward your top because that's where it lives in the lives of your customer. And I guess a, a thing with that is that sometimes when organizations are you know, quite slow to respond and things like that, to improve on that, they're going to have to most likely invest in either hiring more resources or investing in some new tech that's holding them back or or working with some consultants to do some process analysis and see what what what's holding them back. So what obstacle do you hear, I guess, commonly quoted that is actually really quite easily fixed? Mm, I don't know that any of it's easy to fix. If it was easy to fix, it wouldn't be a competitive advantage, uh, but it is fixable for sure. I mean, some of it's just attitudinal, right? I think some of it is just not thinking about speed as being as important as it is. Um, some of it is more psychological, like like just setting expectations for customers and kind of keeping them informed along along the line, which actually enhances the perception of speed, if not speed itself. But the one I probably hear the most is we've had so much turnover on our team that it takes our employees longer to execute on every task because they're all new. So we can't get them faster because they just don't have enough time in the saddle yet. Uh, and that's not necessarily fixable instantaneously, but but as long as you can kind of create some workforce stability, I think it's fixable uh, eventually. I think we've all experienced the new waitress versus the experienced waitress, right? And they're doing the same job, but one person is just much quicker at it because they know where the salt and pepper is and they know that, okay, if you're going to go pick up the fries, you should get the creamer on the way, right? They just kind of have it wired. And I think that's true for, for most jobs. And so eventually, uh, if we see some stability in, in workforce, uh, that's going to help, I think, responsiveness universally. Yeah. And do you feel that also sometimes it's a, it's a cultural shift as well, not, oh, you know, huge. not realizing the importance because something your study obviously has shown is that if you snooze, you lose, you'll lose customers, you'll, you'll lose retention of the customers that you have, but culturally organizations maybe need to instill that shift in mindset. Absolutely. I think that's one of the big takeaways from this research is that everybody kind of cares about speed more or less. But we don't think that responsiveness equals revenue. And it very clearly does. More than half of all customers will hire whomever contacts them first, regardless of price, regardless of price, whoever contacts them first. So knowing that, wouldn't it make sense to engineer your organization so that you can always be first? But a lot of companies don't think of it that way. Like, yeah, we'll get back to you as quickly as we can, but that's culturally different than we will always be first. Furthermore, 85% of customers say that speed is an important factor in their brand loyalty. So one of the things that's really exciting about this economically, Amy, is that if you elevate speed in the importance list in your organization, not only will you get net new customers, but you'll also keep more of the customers you already have because responsiveness creates revenue. And the reason this is true is that psychologically, we are in a place now in the world where we interpret speed as caring. Yeah. If somebody is faster, we take that to mean 
that they care about us and our business and our money and our life more. Now, that's not actually necessarily the case, but that's how it is interpreted. And that interpretation has manifestly important psychological ramifications for how customers feel about your business, which is why it is absolutely worth the time, effort, and potentially money to be as fast as you can in most cases. Yeah. You know, I just completely resonate with this because I'm thinking when I was selecting a new accountant to work with, and honestly, the accountant that I went with was the one that that actually answered the phone, to be honest. Like there were about three that were recommended to me and maybe two that I did a bit of research on. I thought I'll contact all of them. And honestly, they either didn't answer the phone, didn't respond to my voicemail or contacted me five days after this one answered the phone. I was already in the onboarding process by the time they got back to me. It was funny because I remember one said to me, um, I said something to them along the lines of, uh, basically, you've, you've snoozed and you've lose. Like I, I went with someone that that was responsive and I'm already in an onboarding process with them. And, you know, they started saying a few things to, you know, kind of change my mind. And, and another thing there is that even if someone better responds slower, it, there's a friction there. You're already in a process then, aren't you? And you think that they care. I remember saying to my husband that night when none of them called me back, why don't any of these accountancy businesses care? Like, why don't they care? Why won't they get back yeah. to me? That was it. Yeah. And then they cared. And Um, the one you hired, are they the best accountant? Don't know. Don't care. Are they the least expensive? Don't know. Don't care. Exactly. What you care about is whether they care about you. Because what what goes through our head, and and this is true universally, we can't help it, just how we're wired, is, well, wait a second. If it takes them a long time to get back to me before they have my money, how long is it going to take them to get back to me once I've already paid them? Yeah. Right? Nobody wants that kind of uh, scenario. And let me tell you a little a little uh, truism that I talk about a lot on stage. Here's the part that's really dangerous. When you lose business because of speed, it is almost always invisible. So in your case, you told accountant two or three that you talked to that it was because they were slow. But in most cases, that exchange doesn't happen. They just didn't get your business. And it is almost universally the case that when people lose business in a competitive situation, they think they lost because of price. We always think it's price. I've been doing this for 30 years. It's almost never price, but we tell ourselves it's price because that is psychologically easier to admit to ourselves. Well, there's no way they could be a better business. The only way that we can lose is if they're willing to do it for less. The reality is your competitors are just running a better business. We don't want to have that conversation with ourselves, so we just say that it's price. So the next time there's a competitive accounting job scenario, what do they do? Well, they lower their price because they thought it was price. They still don't get hired by Amy because they're not any faster. They're just cheaper. They're like, wow, it's getting competitive. Third competitive situation. They drop their price again. Still don't get hired. They're not any faster. They're just cheaper. Now they're like, I can't believe how competitive this accounting business is getting. Only on the fourth competitive situation, when they've given away all their profit, do they get hired? because everybody has a tipping point, right? Every consumer has that tipping point where they say, this is probably a terrible mistake, (laughs) but I'm going to hire the slow accounting firm because they're so much less expensive, right? It's probably a terrible idea. I'm probably gonna regret it, but at some point the money wins, right? The challenge is when those accounting firms kind of think this through and all their profit margin has been eroded, there's no report. 
there's no spreadsheet in your business that says lost due to responsiveness or lack thereof. And that's how you corkscrew your business into the ground. You're much better off just engineering your processes so that you can be first. You don't have to do the job first. You just have to respond first. Yeah, I completely agree. It's that quite an invisible metric that's killing these businesses. Yeah, it's the responsiveness. And I exactly agree with you. I just think if this is how you are when you want to win my business, what would you be like to work with? So I resonate completely yeah, it's, with that. It's so true. The third place one, <laughs> third place one gets a hold of you when you've already done the job. Same thing happened to me that I was getting this uh, house painted and the third painter got back to me in 11 days, at which point I'd already done the painting. Like not only hired somebody and been painted. I'm like, dude, you are way late on this. Uh, no, thank you. So bad, isn't it? Well, yeah, there you go. What was a surprising finding? So what did you, you know, really Many think? surprising findings. But I think the one that surprised me the most is, is we looked into in this research, uh, which you can get at thetimetowin.com, we, we looked at um, responsiveness by age. Turns out the most patient generation of all generations, willing to give businesses the most amount of grace in terms of responsiveness, Gen Z, the younger consumers. And that surprised me because I have two Gen Zs in my family, and I don't usually think of them as being super duper patient but they don't have as much going on in their life either, right? So a delay for them isn't maybe as annoying as it is for you or for me. The least patient generation who wants everything right now, baby boomers. Weird, isn't it? Now, is this because baby boomers have less time left? I don't know, it stands to reason. It might be a little bit maudlin to look at it that way, but, uh, but it's, I find it fascinating because I've worked with a number of companies in my career who primarily serve an older customer demographic, financial services companies, healthcare companies, et cetera. And I have been in a lot of conference rooms in my life where somebody said something like this, Amy. Well, our customers are primarily older, so we don't need to get back to them that quickly because they're retired, they got plenty of time. And it turns out the exact opposite is the case. So there's a lot of really interesting findings in the research that I was like, wow, interesting but nobody's really asked these questions before nobody's really done this kind of research on this topic with this level of depth so um there's been a lot of cool stuff that's yeah that's that's really interesting and um you know i, I would have just thought that the younger people are you know the more important they are yeah because they're on phones and all that oh yeah my um my i remember when my son when he was uh six got an amazon voucher for his birthday and never had a voucher before sat on my knee ordered his present and so showed him how it worked and he went from my knee to the front door stood in the porch and I was like what, what are you doing he said oh you know I'm waiting for, for it and I was like we like we ordered it like three seconds ago he said yeah well you said it's you said Amazon's fast and I was like yeah but it doesn't don't hit the button and it's at the door and he was this he just was like <laughs> like you know just like when will it come <laughs> right. then I was yeah I said no it'll be here probably this, this time then, tomorrow yeah. yeah it'll be this yeah. time tomorrow we've got Amazon Prime and he was like, oh, okay, you know, just like it's like he thought That's it was just amazing, instantaneous, yeah, straight to the Someday, floor, maybe, straight in, yeah. maybe yeah. When by, they by the, when they dropped drone. the drone. Right, yeah. the drone back <laughs> That's what door, I yeah. said to him. I said it'll be drones one day. Now that's really interesting. I wonder if it's something to do with like the Gen Z, maybe a more sort of empathetic towards. Some studies have 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 shown that that they kind of feel things deeply and and uh, and 
pathetic and, and things like that. Um, could be. Yeah. I, I think it's more that they just don't have as many life pressures, right? They're not as le less likely to be married, less likely to have children, less likely to have a really high pressure job, right? And so the, so the the things that they need to do every day are maybe fewer. Um, and so they feel less time pressure. That, that's my that's my assumption. We didn't actually ask a follow-up question about it because we were so surprised. <laughs> we yeah, yeah, didn't expect that. Way, right? so <laughs> I'll be the follow-up. That'll be the next, the next edition yeah, of research, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we took yeah. all the research and we made a book out of it. Uh, the book's going to launch next month on Amazon, uh, also called The Time to Win. This is the actual book. It's a oh, little wow. tiny book. That's cool. Um, so somebody asked me the other day, Jay, how come the book is so small? You're trying to compensate for something. And I said, no. Uh, I said, I, I've written six you know, full business books. And I just thought it would be really contradictory to say, please spend seven hours reading a full-length book about speed. It just didn't seem to make a lot of and sense. And it's going to be so, out in three years as well, you know. Yeah, like. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. So uh, it only takes like an hour to read it, but a lot of people have gotten an early copy say that it, uh, it's got as much value in it as a full-length book, which means a lot to me. So these will be on Amazon soon in July, I think is what we're looking for. Um, we're going to sell them in three packs in a cool little slip case. So you get three books uh, that you, you can have one and give two to your team or your friends. So I'm excited about it. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I, was, I, I was actually going to, ask you about that in terms of obviously you, you, you know from a content perspective you've got the study you've got the website you've got infographics and social video now you've got the book <laughs> obviously as well uh, you know you have turned this into a, a keynote haven't you so you are evangelizing this all over the the world um is there any other like big content opportunities that you've managed to to gain from this um, on the time to win side, I mean, a lot of podcast opportunities like this one, and I always love to be with you. Um, there's probably more to, to think about um, on the content side, but but it's primarily the same. I, I've been thinking about doing more lives, just trying to kind of think about, you know, the, urge, the, the notion of urgency in real time and, and fast kind of lends itself to more uh, kind of a LinkedIn live, Facebook live, YouTube live, that kind of thing. I haven't done much of it yet, but in the book launch window, I may, I may kind of dive into that um, a little bit more. Um, but right now I'm busy enough speaking. Um, I, I kind of, you'll appreciate this given your, your uh, company, Amy, I kind of messed this up. I, as you know, I, I'm a pretty good planner of content. And so I had this whole big plan to do like my tequila merch store launch and my new website launch and my new speaker trailer launch and the book launch, each of them like 30 days apart as, oh, wow. as you would, right? That's, that's the smart thing to do. Well, for a number of different reasons, they're all going to happen in the same month. Uh, <laughs> and I think I'm on the road 26 days that month. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, but <laughs> if I survive, if I survive the summer, uh, the second half of the year is going to be incredible. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a busy, busy, <laughs> challenging time. <laughs> well, since I don't have the agency anymore, it's just my, my assistant and myself. Right. So it's just like, it's just me and a, and a halftime person who's great, but you know, I don't have like 25 world-class strategists that I can delegate to anymore. So that's a bit of a challenge as well. Hey, just a little break from this week's episode to let you know about becoming a content 10x insider. If you want more content repurposing tips and advice, then why not join hundreds of business owners, marketers, and content creators who get them delivered straight to their inbox once a week by subscribing to the content 10x newsletter. As well as tips and advice, you get industry updates, inspiring stories, exclusive content offers, and more. You can subscribe at content10x.com forward slash newsletter, and there's a link in the show show notes too. Okay, back to this week's episode. 
you just mentioned tequila, your tequila business, which is is what I wanted to to pivot the conversation to. So a great segue into that. Um, so you're, I mean, tequila Java, you're doing amazing with that, aren't you? I was looking at the growth. Oh, so Instagram, 136,000 or so followers since April last year. TikTok, over 75,000. Um, so it's all incredible what you've done over there in such a short space of time. What's the, how have you achieved this? What's the, what's the secret recipe to, to, to uh, <laughs> your success with this? <laughs> well, I, 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 part of it is I didn't start out trying to make it a thing. Uh, when I stopped recording the Social Pros podcast um, after 10 years, I had some microphone time in my schedule. I said, well, what if, what if I just tried to teach people some of the things that I've learned about tequila over the last two decades? That was the end of the strategic plan. And I'd never really done um, a lot. I've never done any TikTok stuff and never really done any reels, mostly longer form videos. And then, well, let's just, you know, just for my own purposes, it'd be kind of fun. I've never really created content in that format. Let's try reels and, and TikTok. And so I just kind of started to make a couple of videos here or there, and they were not very good. And I got a little better, I got a little better. And, and then relatively quickly, uh, it, it sort of took off and, and people liked it and they reacted to the content and the algorithm favored that. And Instagram and TikTok, you know, kind of recommended it to a lot of people who are interested in tequila and mezcal, et cetera. Um, and, and, and now it just became a, a whole thing. But I'll tell you one of the secrets is my good friend, Rory Vaden, uh, who runs Brand Builders Group, which is one of the greatest personal branding consultancies in the world. Uh, has a saying that I really tried to follow. Rory says that your ideal audience is the person that you used to be. And there was a time when I didn't know anything about tequila. Now it's been a while, but there was a time where I didn't know anything. And, and so what I try to do as often as possible is create content for that version of me. When I started doing this uh, 13, 14 months ago, one of my observations, Amy, was that there already were, I don't know, five or six uh, kind of tequila education accounts out there on Instagram and TikTok. But universally, they were like tequila nerds talking to other tequila nerds. And that's definitely interesting and as content that I personally prefer. But if you do the math on this, in the US, there's 40 million Americans have at least one cocktail a month that includes tequila, 40 million typically margaritas, but that's kind of your addressable audience is 40 million people. There is an app in the tequila business called Tequila Matchmaker, which allows you to rank and rate tequilas. It's sort of like um, Vivino for wine or, or untapped is that version for craft beer in the US, et cetera. There are a quarter million or so people who have downloaded that app ever. So that's really the nerd group. So you think about 40 million people up here 250,000 people in the nerd community. So I'm like, well, I'm a professional marketer. Which audience do I want to target? <laughs> and so I have really tried throughout the, the run of the Tequila J Bear program to as often as possible, right, create content for the, the novice or intermediate tequila fan, as opposed to creating content for myself uh, at the advanced level. And that's been really, really successful and also quite a differentiator from other people in the in the community. Yeah. And you've been really consistent as well, haven't you? It's, for a week, for a week, every week. For a week, every week. Well, and that's just 
since eight, well, it was around April, 2022. Yeah, so. Just over a year, just over a year. Yeah. My agent on the speaking side is like, Hey, Jay, imagine if you created four videos a week about business. Think about how successful you'd be. I'm like, yeah, that's not as much fun. <laughs> yeah, you got Because I'm literally fun. creating more content about tequila than I ever did about anything else. <laughs> She's kind of mad about that, actually. But, all right. What 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 iterations did you make along the way? You know, as you, as you've sort of you changed the four a week in format, things like that. Yeah, I mean, we did, you know, obviously, uh, having been down this road in the past, sometimes um, with you, you know, did the did the usual testing, right? Time of day, day a week, you know, number of of videos a week. I mean, clearly, Instagram and TikTok would prefer, I think, if I published every day. Um, you know, they 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 generally speaking, um, I think, take a more is more approach to the algorithm. But uh, you know, I'm not at this point prepared to to do a daily video. Um, maybe next year when my speaking schedule probably lightens up a little bit. But for now, for a week is is uh, is good. I also discovered a little bit of a paradox for me. This is kind of like the the age of you know who's patient question. I assumed, Amy, that when you're talking about tequila, people would want to consume that content on the weekends because that's when you're more likely to presumably drink tequila. Turns out, nope, not true. Uh, when I publish Friday, Saturday, it does terrible. So we actually do not publish Friday, Saturday. We publish Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and then and then weekends are off and we start fresh again on Monday, which surprised me, uh, but that's certainly how it's proven to be um, effective for us algorithmically. Um, also, we have tried as much as possible. I mean, this is no big revelation, but I've proven it to myself to keep the videos as tight as possible. Yeah. So um, I would say 90% plus of our videos are are about a minute 28. That's kind of where we, where we kind of hit it. We're always under 90 seconds. Um, and, and, you know, that requires, you got to get right to the point and, and some fairly aggressive editing uh, sometimes to kind of get inside that, that number. But, um, but that's worked out pretty well. And then my assistant, Maddie, uh, who's also my assistant for my real company, um, she does all the reviews with me and she's 25 and is a very novice tequila drinker. And she's been great on the channel because she really does represent that audience, right? The people who are not, you know, 25 years into this. And so she'll give something a score and I'll give something a different score because we have different preferences and different flavor profiles. And that's been, uh, we're really good together on camera. And so it's just been a good, a good dynamic that's been really successful. Yeah. I've seen those videos. I didn't know that was Maddie though. I didn't put two and two yeah. together. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, she, she does all the things. So manages my that's calendar brilliant. and my travel. Yeah. So she, yeah, she has uh, quite a varied role here in the J Bear world. Yeah. Personal development objectives, like, you know, exactly. improving knowledge of tequila, like right. <laughs> passing the yeah. A monthly tequila test. <laughs> yeah, but she's uh, she's doing great, and now you know sponsors are talking about um, about having us you know go on the road to do activations and things like that. And and uh, one of our big sponsors is a, a mixers company called Q um, that makes you know ginger beer and club soda and such. And and they're like, yeah, we've got a series of uh, of like nighttime kind of bar tasting uh, events, and then we've got some pool parties in Vegas and LA. And I'm like, well. I think Maddie's better for the pool parties uh, and I'll do the nighttime. I'll do the nighttime bar tasting. So. Oh, wow. Figure that part out. Amazing. <laughs> you know, with the, uh, with the videos, you've gone for the, the vertical channel. So you've gone for TikTok, you've gone for Instagram reels. I noticed, unless I've done terrible research, that you didn't go for YouTube shorts. Only did it, I did like two or three. I, up, I uploaded like two or three. Um, and it didn't work very well, but I, I'm told that YouTube Shorts requires a fair bit of like 
doing it before the, it lights the match. Um, so I actually created, you probably didn't see it. I, I created a YouTube channel just for tequila, but it's essentially dormant because I was just experimenting, but you are a hundred percent right. It's actually one of the things in our plan is to, you know, we already have the content. It's kind of dumb that we're not putting it on, on YouTube shorts. Mm -hmm. It's just, we haven't, um, but we should, and just experiment with it. I've also thought about, I've also thought about shooting it horizontally for YouTube itself and then just editing it vertically. Um, and then we'd have both that requires a little more magic in production to kind of make that happen well. Um, uh, but that's something else that we've, that we've pondered, um, second half of the year, next year, we're, we're going to expand the content, uh, a little bit. It might, we might go to YouTube, like we'll go shorts. We might do, we might do a podcast. We, you know, there's a lot of some mini books maybe we're thinking about like some, uh, downloadable eBooks, like, you know, 99 tequilas, you need to know things like that. So there's a bunch of stuff on the roadmap. Yeah, I mean it's it's super niche educational content. It's perfect for what well, YouTube and podcasts, isn't it? And you know everything that you just said. It's it's just when it's that niche and educational as well. It's high value. There's so much you could do. What? So you've been you know very much in the B B world, and then Tequila J Bear is this like jump more into I guess B to C. For sure. What what have you what what's been different? <laughs> any any big. Uh, well, not surprises, but, uh, you know, how have you observed that to go? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, several, several things. The, generally speaking, I find the B2C content has to be tighter, right? The, the, the patient's level and kind of how people consume content is kind of on their free time as opposed to during their business day. And so they're, they're definitely kind of moving through content quicker. So the kind of things I would do in B2B would typically be a little bit longer, a little bit more in depth, maybe not as many cuts. You know, the way you edit, um, I'm sure you see this, the, the way I edit tequila videos is very different than the way I edit B2B videos. You just need that dynamic visual action um, on the B2C side or people just don't, they just don't get sucked in, right? So there's definitely some production differences for sure. The audience is very different as well. I feel like um, in B2B, and I don't know if it's because I've been doing it so long and so some people know me and I have some measure of respect, or maybe it's because it's like B2B, so people kind of behave differently. But the number of times I cried myself to sleep because of something mean that somebody said in B2B, zero times. In B2C, <laughs> cool. it has definitely happened, right? People are mean. B2B, B2C content, people are mean, right? Instagram, TikTok in particular is mean. Uh, YouTube obviously is kind of you know known to have kind of mean comments. Um, you know, the, the level of, of personal attacks uh, on the consumer side is much different than the business side. I wasn't really prepared for that, even though I wrote a whole book about it. Uh, when it when it's you personally, you're like, oh, well, that kind of stings. Um, so that's been an interesting one to navigate as well. And then also on the B2C side, it's frustrating, right? Because I wrote a book called Utility, which is all about giving value. But on the B2C side, people like demand value, right? They're like, hey, please, I'm like, I'm going on this trip, please give me nine tequilas to buy. And I'm like, dude, this is gonna take me like an hour worth of research. Uh, and I'm happy to help you, but like, this is a free, this is like a free tequila education account, right? Where like they, 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 the expectation of, of the hoops you're supposed to jump through can be a little, a little different also. Um, but, it's, but it's super fun. I'm really enjoying it. And it's very gratifying. Um, uh, partially because B2C audiences, I find, are much more willing to say to you, to me, 
um, wow, you helped me so much. And here's what I'm doing because of what you told me. And like, there's just like this um, appreciation for the work that may be true in B2B. They just don't yeah. show it as all. Well. People are a little more reserved and cool about it, you know? Uh, but I, <laughs> I gotta tell you, so I've been a B2B, you know, expert, whatever, for like 30 years, written six books, seven books now with this one, seven books. Um, and I get recognized in airports now all the time. Wow. <laughs> only for tequila. <laughs> only oh, that's for tequila. brilliant. So I've been doing tequila education for a year, uh, business education for 30 years. Uh, and all anybody cares about is tequila. So my, my, uh, my read on that is that people care about tequila more than they care about their business. So <laughs> that's so funny. So people come up to you, do they, and say, oh, I've seen All you on TikTok and Instagram. Wow, All really? <laughs> so when's the, uh, when's the tequila coming out? Surely you need to be down there at the distillery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably not anytime soon. Um, I, I do have some tequila consulting clients that I'm helping, some new brands that are coming out. Uh, I do have a single barrel tequila coming out, a J Bear a signature edition oh, wow. of an existing tequila called Primo that comes out soon um, in a matter of weeks. Uh, but in terms of like my own brand, I don't know. It's having worked with a number of brands now, uh, it's very expensive, very expensive and very difficult um, to succeed. Uh, not impossible. And I feel like I would have a decent chance because of what I know and who I know, et cetera. But, you know, as, uh, as, as my friend who's an importer says, you know, the best way to start a tequila brand is to have $3 million that you're willing to lose instantaneously. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to go down that road. Uh, so it, it maybe we'll see. Uh, the next things we're working on more content, um, in more channels, uh, probably an online course, an online tequila appreciation course, which I'll be calling Brilliant. you about. I need some help on that. Um, and probably next year, uh, a tour company. So come to Mexico with Jay and Maddie, visit distilleries, appreciate tequila. So yeah, we'll, we'll probably do some of that. Some oh, wow. I'll be there. I'll come on yeah. the tequila. Please tour. do. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. And actually what I'm thinking about doing, you'll appreciate this. I'm thinking about doing those kind of programs specifically for business owners and entrepreneurs. So you come with seven or eight, you know, colleagues or whatever. And so we, yeah, we go do tequila visits, but we also then do, you know, a keynote for me and maybe I'll get another friend or two to, you know, so it's like a one day of like legit business content and like two days of tequila stuff. Um, so I'm kind of thinking about those kind of programs because yes, I could just do a regular tequila tour, but why would I not try to lean into what I know on the B2B side and sort of differentiate that way? Um, so yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. That'd be amazing. Oh, you got to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a lot of tastings right now. It's actually super fun. So my agent will oftentimes sell a keynote where I come in and give a, a presentation uh, on the time to win or what have you. And then the night before or the night after, it's like, hey, Jay's already going to give the keynote. Do you want him to do a tequila tasting for your top clients, for your executives, for your prospects? You know, uh, I did it uh, on the trade show floor recently in a big conference, you know, and had people gather on the booth and did a live tasting. So that's really fun. It's fun for me to do it. And it's people like, well, we've never had that happen before. So they, they like to, you know, they, they want to have me do it, which is a blast. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And tequila, it's just a bit more unusual tequila like isn't it because yeah they're like a wine tasting exactly or yeah wine whiskey maybe but certainly over here in the uk i think it gets you know i'm sure a lot in the us too but it's very much associated with margarita and 
shots. You know, people don't have a lot of appreciation for the, the the quality out there and things like that until you start looking at the price tags on anything that's a like a decent standard tequila, and it's quite up there, isn't it? So, yep, yep. <laughs> but it's funny when I was in London in December, uh, I went to a liquor store and they had a bunch of gems that are really hard to find here. And so I actually actually bought a bunch of tequila in London and brought it home, which felt That's felt mad. a little weird to me. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, people don't know it as well there, right? So it's not you know no. those kind of tequilas would be in a store here, they'd be bought out in a week, right? And and over there they don't know what they have. And no. So yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah, because I struggle with the ones that you recommend because I I watch your content. I struggle often to get them because of my location. They're not exported over here, are they? So um, that's funny. <laughs> So you've got your book, but that's coming out in July. By the time this goes out, it may already already be out. I'll I'll, check. Um, I'll make sure that I obviously have links to everything for for the book if it's out. Um, I'll go and update <laughs> everything when it is out. Right now, you know, we've got so the time to win dot com to find out more about um all of that really interesting study. I think everybody should just have a look at that because it's fascinating. And then Tequila J Bear, go follow Tequila J Bear on uh, TikTok, Instagram, anywhere else that you would like to recommend. Uh, so there's a Tequila J Bear website, which will launch yeah. soon. So tequilajbear.com, which is, um, we'll have uh, links to obviously the Instagram and TikTok and then all of our merchandise. So we've got shirts, hats, tasting glasses, flasks, coasters, the whole thing. So that'll be available. Um, and then my regular site is just jbear.com, which is also brand new and a new uh, speaker trailer featuring me in a record store, uh, all kinds of cool stuff happening. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, Jay, I could speak to you all day, but the time is, is here. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. It's always awesome talking to you and it's been another great episode. Uh, thanks so much. Here's one you should buy. Siete Leguas. Great tequila. Brilliant. There you go. <laughs> thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks so much, Jay. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the content 10x podcast, then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well. That really makes a difference for the podcast. Also, please do get a copy of my book, Content 10x, more content, less time, maximum results. It is the ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content and it's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback and also in audiobook as well and you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book and if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you then we offer a fully end-to-end done-for-you content repurposing service this is for podcasters and video content creators we have our podcast 10x video 10x and also our specific LinkedIn 10x service helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website and also please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at content10x on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you try content10x.com forward slash LinkedIn, you'll find my LinkedIn profile over there as well. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.